1 John chapter 2, verse 24 and 25. So we have uh, been talking about walking with God. That's what this entire book has been about. 1 John is like this giant invitation to walk with God. And so in the first chapter was that invitation and, and, and John saying, I'm walking with God and it's really fantastic. You guys should walk with God too. And I know you know Jesus, but keep walking with him, keep walking with him. And he talked about all kinds of reasons why it was really good to walk with him. And then in chapter two, he's been kind of talking about a couple of great challenges to walking with God. And the first one was worldliness worldliness he said do not love the things of the world or you know and um that was a little bit before a couple verses before where we're at right now and then the second great challenge was uh antichrists antichrist and he was talking about the main antichrist is going to be a big challenge but all the little antichrists and and so last week we studied that and what we learned that antichrist uh means a substitute for christ not just against christ like Antichrist, where we think he, he's going to be like, you know, have white skin and, and, uh, and dark makeup and, and horns and, and he's just going to dress like Marilyn Manson. And, uh, but that's probably not at all what the Antichrist is going to look like. He's going to look very appealing. He's just going to be a substitute for Jesus. And the great Antichrist will demand to be a substitute in ev- for everybody to be their savior. And, uh, and so we saw that there's a lot of things, little antichrists in our life, is anything that we let become a substitute for Jesus in our lives. And John says that's the second greatest challenge to us walking with God. The first one is worldliness, just being all about the world. And, and the main part of the world, and he described it, was rebellion. And that's how the world is. It's just, it's rebellion. And, and he talked about the... Um, the way the world works with uh, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's all how the world works. And then uh, this worldliness. And so um, the cure for worldliness, when he talked about it, was submission to God's will by believing the gospel. So his solution wasn't to, to learn how bad the world's things are. His solution wasn't um, go to church all the time. His solution wasn't... Um, change how you're living. That's, those aren't, or certainly dress like a weirdo. Those aren't solutions to worldliness. He says the only solution to worldliness is believing the gospel more and more and more and submitting to it. Well, what is the gospel? The gospel is what Jesus did for us. It's that he chose you, he made you alive, and he perfects you or he sanctifies you, he changes you all through your life. He does all those things, and you do almost nothing. You sit there and believe it with humility and faith. That's what we bring to the table, right? We talk about that all the time. We bring humility and faith, and he does the gospel. The gospel is all him doing stuff for us. So tonight, real, just we got a short little study tonight, and we find out what the cure for the Antichrist problem is. Remember, the Antichrist is these substitutes for Jesus. And the cure for that is what we're going to um, see tonight. So in our verse, it says, 1 John two twenty four. Therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you will also abide in the Son and in the Father. And this promise 
that he has promised us, and this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. So it's real simple. The solution to the second great problem of walking with God, which is antichrists and substitutes, is believing the gospel. Ha! Imagine that. (laughs) The same solution for both problems is Jesus. And believing what he has done, what he is doing, and what he is going to do. Um. He says, uh, and the, the, the reason why I grabbed that for you, or I pulled it out there, he said, believing, um, let that abide with you, which you heard from the beginning, abide in you, which you heard from the beginning. So believing that good old gospel of grace is, is the solution. Um, there are many new ideas, but he says, believe what you heard from the beginning. Uh, there's many new ideas. There's many different ideas about what we need to do after you heard the gospel. Oh, you just believe the gospel? Great, now you need to come to our church because we have the deeper things. No, that's not true. The gospel is all you need. Now, there's discipleship, but all discipleship should be is teaching people how to believe the gospel more, how the gospel applies to different parts of their life. That's all discipleship is, is teaching people how to walk with Jesus. Um, Okay, so someone gets saved, and they're an alcoholic, what do we do? Well, they've believed the gospel. Their sins are washed away. So we take them and we point them to Jesus over and over again. So if they have a temptation to drink, we say, hey, brother, sister, let's look at Jesus instead. They fail drinking. Hey, brother, sister, let's repent and come back to Jesus together. I'll walk with you through this and we do it together. And over that process of time, they learn how to walk with Jesus. The drinking is, is easy for God to fix. What he's more interested in is them learning how to walk with him. Now, let's say a person gets saved and they're an alcoholic. And we come along and say, now we need to get you fixed from your alcoholism. Now their eyes are on what? Their alcoholism on the problem, on them and their efforts, instead of just lifting their eyes to what Jesus has done, the gospel, their eyes are now down on on worldly things. Mm -hmm. And that's not going to work. They're going to regress. And even if they are able to muster up the strength, because some people have remarkable self-abilities, even if they are able to muster up the strength and they stop drinking and it's a great victory, it's actually not because God doesn't receive the glory. Mm -hmm. They do. The human effort receives the glory, which is rebellion against God and his ways. He said, I've designed a way for victory. It's Jesus. You can look at him. You believe the gospel more and more and more in all these different areas of life. And that's the solution to all these substitutes that we have. Some people's Antichrist or substitutes for Christ are their Christian programs. They're 12 step programs. They're Christian psychologists. They're Christian small groups. They're church. Anything that draws people's attention. If people come home from church saying, Wow, that was such a great service. 
I mean, I, it, it made, it touched me, it moved me. It, I, I was emotionally affected. It was a great story. It was a great music. It was really touching. Um, that's borderline to being a really bad thing because the glory is going to the people. Mm-hmm. If someone comes home and says, I, I learned something new about Jesus, I believe that is a gospel-centered church. I learned something new about Jesus. I, I saw humility demonstrated when we worshiped. I saw humility. And, I, and then the word gave me a new way that I can have faith, something new I can trust the Lord in. That should be how church is run. Because that is the gospel. And that's why he says here, that, let, let that abide in you which you've heard from the beginning. The gospel is very simple, so simple, children can understand it. But it's also so deep and powerful that we are going to spend every Sunday for the rest of our lives here at this church studying it. We're never going to have another Bible study that doesn't have the gospel as the center. We are only going to talk about it. We're going to apply it to different parts of our life. We're going to look at it from different angles. But it is going to rock us every single... And, and if we ever do fail to bring the gospel... You should all go to a different church. Absolutely. Because that is, he, he says right here, let it abide in you, which you've heard from the beginning. If what you've heard from the beginning abides in you, then you will also abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he's promised us, eternal life. Now, the gospel. Um, when I say, all we got to do is believe the gospel more, I'm going to divide it into three three time frames. We have the past. He chose you. Okay. Then we have the present. He made you alive. And then we have the future. He changes you. That's what happens when we believe the gospel. That's what we're believing. He makes you alive. So when we say, do you believe the gospel? That's what we're asking. Do you believe God's work for you was past, present, and future? You know, God's name, well, (laughs) this is actually going to fit together really good with our study on Sunday because he's called the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I'm going to give you a preview since you're the faithful Wednesday night people. (laughs) Here's your preview of Sunday. Uh, We're going to learn about why he calls himself the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because Abraham, God chose Isaac, God made alive. Jacob, God wrestled with and changed. And we see those three areas of life, the past, the present, the future, symbolized and pictured in the names of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and what God did with them. So Abraham was the past, Isaac was the present, and Jacob was the future. Yeah, and and it's the way that God worked in their lives. Abraham, he chose. Isaac, he made alive. And Jacob, he changed. Remember, he changed his name to what? That was the biggest event in his life. He changed his name to Israel. He changed him from a deceiver to a faithful man when Jacob was impossible. I mean, just a goober, <laughs> you know. And, and Isaac, backing up one, he was made alive because what was God told Abraham? You need to go sacrifice Isaac. Isaac was on the altar. Isaac symbolically died. And was made alive again. He had this experience of new life. 
he, when he said, Dad, where's the, where's the fire for the, the ram? And his dad's like, God is going to provide a fire, a sacrifice, you know, but boy, you're going to die. Isaac could have run away, but Isaac said, okay, I submit to that. And Isaac died and was made alive, symbolically, figuratively. Mm-hmm. Abraham, God chose. How many times do we read, God chose you, mm-hmm. God chose you, and it's a big, big theme in his life. So um, that's the gospel. In those three guys, we see the gospel, the beginning. And, and so if someone says, I'm going to believe in Jesus today, they've got to believe that God chose them, that God is making them alive, and that God will change them. And we, we have fancy Bible church Christian words for that. We have election, justification, and sanctification. All those big fancy words, that's what they mean. God chose you election, God justifies you, made you alive, and God sanctifies you. He, he wrestles with you, he perfects you through the period of your life in the future. So that's pretty cool. He says you just got to believe this gospel. Believe that God, who is the one who was, who is and who is to come, doesn't he call himself that? You know, you believe these things about the Lord, and this is the type of things he does in our life. And it's all by his power and his glory, or his power and his love, excuse me, and it's all for his glory. Why did he choose you? Well, by his power and by his love and for his glory. Yeah, well, he shouldn't have chose me. I'm a goober. Well, it's for his glory. Oh, okay. I can get on board with that. I can believe that. Well, you believe the gospel then, and you're saved. That's awesome. You know, and you apply that to each past, present, and future as you think about your life, and that's how it works all to go together.